So the energy of that anger that is perceived as weak and feeble is actually potent in the sense that it's very good at attacking you. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. It's very good at shaming you, pointing out what you regret, holding you down, and becoming your inner critic. All right, my friend, my anonymous guest for today. It's been a while since I've done one of these episodes, and there's been a lot of requests for them. And it's been interesting because I think this is a way, I've, I've thought a lot about how to use this show and not just in a way that benefits me and the conversations that I get to have because I selfishly love having conversations with amazing people, but in a way that can give back to both the audience and the listener in terms of being able to hear what, quote unquote, the work might look like or sound like. And so that's what today's going to be all about. I know you are familiar with me and my work. We will keep all of this as anonymous as you want. So if, you know, parents, maybe leave parents' names out of it or partners' names or friends, or you just share whatever you feel comfortable with. So with all of that said and in mind, why don't you tell myself and the listener a little bit about why you are here and what you're looking to potentially work on or resolve? Yeah, thanks. I feel as if looking at my anger would be really helpful for me. Um, I do know that uh, for years I stuffed my anger deep inside the shadow and I've come a long way in the three years that I've been a part of the Alliance and I'm grateful for that. But I do know that there's areas of my life where it's still not present in a healthy way of understanding that when my boundaries are crossed or bumped up against that anger is uh, an appropriate response. And I was taught from a very young age that, you know, by having an explosive father and a passive aggressive mother, that anger was not okay for me to express. Even if my boundaries were crossed as a young child or a young man, and having some assistance in moving through that resistance to my anger, I think is really specifically what happens for me is I, I resist or I hesitate going to anger when maybe others are a little bit better at using it or knowing that it's appropriate in that moment. Good. So, I mean, I think that's all pretty clear and concise, which is wonderful. I appreciate you condensing it down. Sounds like you're like, this is exactly uh, what I'm looking to work on, which is wonderful. Give me a little bit of insight or, or tell me a little bit about what re, what anger looked like growing up for you. For me, in my experience, I wasn't allowed to show anger. And even if I knew that my boundaries were being crossed by family members, I couldn't use anger as a resource or as a, as a tool. And I do recall certain times that uh, my father used verbal, like I was never abused physically as a child by either parent, which I'm grateful for. But I do understand that the explosiveness of my dad really did impact me and and how I almost refused to be like him in that way. Mm -hmm. Say a little bit more about his his anger, how it would show up, maybe how it was directed at you or, or, you know, at other family members. Sure. I think it was um, like a light switch. Uh, Everything would be calm and natural and um, we were discussing my behavior and there would be periods of discipline that, that I knew that I needed for sure, because I, I've oftentimes misbehaved as the youngest child to get attention. And rather than understanding me as, as a different child from the other, my two sisters, that 
it was just dominated by anger as if like that behavior is unacceptable. And I'm going to use this explosiveness to prove that to you or to show you that that's not okay. Hmm. Okay. And so what would that sound like? Were, Were there certain things that he would say, certain things that he would do? Would he be calm and then start yelling? Would he be calm and shut down? Like just maybe paint that picture a little bit more for me. Sure, yeah, you, you said it very accurately that there would be a lot of calmness and then out of nowhere there would be uh, some explosive anger or there was this body language of like, Shh, like almost like Dr. Evil to his son, right? Zip it. And it's like that whenever I would try to stand up for myself or speak out for myself, it was shut down either in that body language or in that action, which to me reflecting back on it is humorous because it was so passive aggressive. But then if that wasn't enough to get me to be quiet, then there, that would be where the explosive anger would come from. Um, in spite of the fact that I deserve the discipline, I do feel as if I, uh, I didn't need the aggressiveness or the explosiveness to feel that discipline. Mm-hmm. Was he ever physical or was it just a verbal sort of overwhelming nature towards you? Yeah, always verbal, always um, louder and taking up a lot of space, maybe even standing up from a seated position just to uh, show dominance. And uh, that's what my my inner child is experiencing right now is I, I'm reflecting back on it of like shrinking and um, remaining super quiet, just fawning um, to, to stay safe as a child. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how has it shown up in your relationships? What's that looked like? How has it shown up in your life? And, and maybe just a little bit about how anger has played a role in your life, relationships, and, and maybe career. Those are all good questions. I think that if first thing that came to mind when we started talking about my anger and, and the shadow and not being in touch with it is um, early on in dating, there were a couple of different scenarios that I recognized as a repeated pattern that maybe the person I was dating wasn't um, acting in a healthy way for me. And instead of standing up for myself, I just let it slide and um, began like the nice guy to be walked all over. And when the conversation eventually came up in both of these scenarios that I can recall, and we addressed the behavior of the person I was dating, they both said, you're not mad. And that was a clue for me to like tune into, is this an appropriate time for me to be angry? And that gave me opportunity to be very reflective and mm. like understand the difference between bypassing that anger as an emotion and getting straight to the hurt and the pain that I was feeling. And I'm very adept at expressing um, hurt and pain in all of my experiences, but expressing anger was difficult in those moments, even though, even though understanding where I'm at now that I could be angry at maybe uh, these early dating scenarios where they're dating other people and they're not sharing that with me, or I would share, Hey, I'm not seeing anybody else. And then a month down the road, we would find out that that's not the case. And I do reflect on that and say, I could, I could be angry in those scenarios. And so that was my initial clue to look a little bit closer at anger in my life. And I do see, I do see some passive aggressiveness showing up at work um, when I'm not treated the best. You know, uh, last fall, I left a job because I was a part of the toxic culture that I was in. And I, um, I chose to express anger at a couple different times, one in a safe scenario with my direct report boss, and then the other one in our, in our general manager. And it just didn't, it just didn't land. 
And there's a lot of things that I can control in that and take ownership of. But leaving that job was actually a really healthy decision for me. And it's turned out to be an incredible choice for me. Mm. When you say that you were participating in the toxic culture, what do you mean by that? You don't have to give me a a ton of information. I'm just curious. Sure, absolutely. So uh, it initially started with our general manager really micromanaging our department without a lot of sound reasoning behind um, his involvement. Because for the first nine months that I was there, I, I felt a lot of autonomy and I felt a really deep connection and good working relationship with my direct report boss. And that changed after our general manager involved himself in our department without a lot of reasoning on labor. Labor is really where uh, our conversation uh, went to each and every time. It's a $5 million department and our labor in, in my professional experience wasn't out of control. So standing up for myself um, was initially what I chose to do. Of like, no, I'm going to stand my ground on this. This is my decision as a department head and I'm a staffing appropriately and we don't have a lot of information or reporting to prove otherwise. And when I didn't feel heard, when I didn't feel seen at work by our general manager, always by my direct report boss, she was always very supportive and she understood and she actually agreed in my assessment at work. But when I didn't feel heard by the person who did control that environment or was really the um, the top of the of the pyramid there, I started to withdraw and I started to shrink. And instead of standing up for myself fully, um, I did partially, but not fully. Instead of doing that, I just chose to shop around and, and find a different, uh, different work environment because um, as much as I sent emails to feel heard or face-to-face to feel heard, it just wasn't being accomplished. So my part in that toxic culture was not standing up for myself fully and then understanding that I can a choice I have is removing myself from that toxic culture. So um, I don't want to speak to what anybody else can own there because I don't know what their experience was like. I just understand that I have a part and I actually eventually did what was best for me um, through, through anger that I didn't necessarily express, but not to mm-hmm. our general manager, but, but to other teammates who I felt like I could trust. Mm-hmm. So... What are you hearing about the connection between your relationship, your career, and then your upbringing? What's the connection? The connection that I'm the connection that I'm feeling is that it's not okay to stand up for myself with anger, even when appropriate, and that it's not okay for me to take up space and um, really show my authentic self, even if that is appropriate in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so a good amount of all those things. I think one of the other connections that maybe I just sort of bring forward is this this piece of feeling like you're going to be punished for expressing what's true for you, mm-hmm. right? Your own sense of intuition, your own truth, right? That there's there's a punishment that resides on the other side. And so rather than really holding firm and standing your ground, whether it's in relationship or within work, the tendency is to, to move away, right? Because that's, that's the survival mechanism, right? That's how you survived dad's anger growing up. Say a little bit about what it felt like when dad would get reactive, loud, you know, in your face. What was that like for you as a kid? I would actually be really afraid and not understand if it was going to stay within verbal or, or move to physical. 
um, beyond that younger time. Like um, my dad started traveling when I was eight a lot for work. And as opposed to that experience being in the home, I began to get bullied at school. And there's, there's another piece of the pattern where I didn't stand up for myself and felt like there would be, you hit it on the head, then it, it's a fair, it's a fair acknowledgement that I felt like I would be punished if I stood up for myself. Mm. Okay. So worried about getting punished at home for speaking up, worried about getting punished at school for standing up for yourself. What was the bullying like? Because I think that's something that so many people have experienced. And I've worked with a lot of men over the years who have experienced various degrees of bullying from, you know, somewhat mild to, <clears throat> to pretty severe and debilitating and, and trauma inducing. And so tell me a little bit about that. Sure. The bullying, I would uh, say, I would label it as mild, um, always verbal, always name calling, um, using gay fag, um, those would be the, the terms that I would hear most. Um, I was a tender, soft-spoken, sensitive kid. And um, when I began to feel bullied at school, my grades slipped. It was almost like, hey, this is my bid for connection or my um, cry for help of like, hey, I'm struggling in school because it's also not a safe environment. Um, mm. And to your point of afraid of getting punished at school, well, if I got punished at school, I'd get punished at home too. It was almost like a cycle or a loop that one thing would feed into the other. And so my, my strategy to stay safe was just to fawn and stay, stay silent and not stand up for myself. Got it. Okay. So, you know, I'm just going to make a statement. You see how it sort of fits and then we'll just see where this leads us. So it sounds like you didn't have a lot of space as a kid, you know, a lot of a lot of places where you could express yourself openly without risk, you know, without some form of threat or punishment that would come back at you. Does that feel accurate? Yeah, that feels fair. Okay. Just take a breath in and just let that sink into the body a little bit. All right. So I didn't have a lot of space growing up and I didn't have a lot of room for expression, especially my anger. So say what you experience, what you're experiencing right now. I'm experiencing that that's true. Um, there's a feeling showing up in my body of regret and shame in my stomach. Um, a lot of guilt for not doing what I know was right for me at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so say what the regret or shame is about. I regret and I feel shame about hiding and not standing up for myself. Okay, so take a breath in with that. Just notice who that's directed at when you say that. Who's that directed at? My dad. Mm -hmm. So take another breath. You just stop breathing. Good. Yeah. And just let yourself move your body in any way that you want, even if it's just a small movement, just to keep that energy moving around. Maybe just move side to side or yeah, roll the shoulders. And just notice that the tendency, as soon as you're at that threshold of confrontation, is, is what? What is it? To back away, to be small and to... Yeah, to freeze up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just let yourself notice that sensation without shame, without judgment. It's like, okay, there it is, right? And every time that that part shows up, that's that boy. 
right? Six-year-old you, eight-year-old you, that's that boy who feels cornered, who feels overpowered clearly, right? I'm sure that as an eight-year-old, your father probably could have overpowered you. So there's that boy who feels powerless, okay? So just connect with him for a moment. Just connect with him. Just see if you can have a visual of him, what he looked like. And just for the sake of the exercise, allow yourself to picture him in the room with your father. And you're in the room with them. So maybe it's the kitchen, maybe it's the living room, maybe it's your bedroom as a kid. And then just make a statement to me about your experience witnessing this boy being yelled at, being put down, feeling powerless in front of his dad. What do you experience? I feel for him and I want to step in. I want to stand between the two of them. Okay. So tell him that. I want to stand up for you. I want to protect you. Mm -hmm. From? From your dad. Another inhale. Yeah, and just tell him what else, what else and who else you want to protect him from. I want to protect you from the bullies and I want to protect you from that fear of being punished for who you are. Hmm. Good. And then say who he is. Tell him who he is in your eyes. He's good enough. Mm-hmm. He's smart enough. He's strong enough. Yeah, directly to him. Just say that directly to him. You are good enough. You are strong enough. You are worthy. Mm-hmm. Let's say what it's like to hear that. Comforting. Mm-hmm. What would he say back in response? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And what else? I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Good. So when you're ready, just take a deep breath and then step in between the boy and dad. Okay. And once you're there, just make a statement about what you experience being in between them, protecting the boy. I feel like it's right and I feel like I'm strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. So let that sink in. Mm-hmm. I'm strong enough to protect him. Absolutely. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe you. So when you're ready, just tell that to your father. Say that directly to him. I'm strong enough to stand up to you. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough to stand up to you. Yeah. What do you want him to know about the way that he treated this boy sometimes? It wasn't fair. It wasn't what the little boy needed. Good, another breath. And then just say what's happening in your body, just so I'm, I'm with you. I'm feeling anger. Um, it's like boiling up and, and it's okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. So again, just let yourself tell, say that to your dad. I feel angry. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid. And tell him why you're angry. I'm angry because you hurt me. Good. Stay with that. So stay in touch with that anger for a moment. Again, we don't need to do anything. It's not about yelling back at him or being physical with him. But if your anger could speak to him, what would it say? Stop. You don't need to do this. Mm -hmm. Stop what? Stop yelling. Mm -hmm. And also? Stop getting in my face. Stop taking out my space. 
Yeah, and stop making me feel powerless. Yeah, really let that one in. Stop making me feel powerless. Good, another deep breath. And I just want you to feel a little bit bigger. So take, take up a little bit more space and just let yourself feel mm-hmm. energetically larger, physically larger. Like the room that you're in, all of a sudden, the energy that you have is just taking up two, three, four times more space than your physical body. And just notice that in this image, your dad in front of you and the boy behind you, that the boy stays within the energetic bubble, right? He's still in the energetic field, but it the space that you occupy actually pushes dad back a little bit. Just creates some separation between you and him. There's a little bit more distance. Let's say what that's like. It feels safer. It feels, feels like it's been too long and too late for... I regret not doing this sooner. Mm. Yeah, well, let's put the regret to the side for the moment and just take another breath. When you say, I regret not doing this sooner, how old do you actually feel? 17. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So part of you wanted to stand up to him before, right? To stand up for the boy, but didn't, didn't get a chance to do that. What do you want to say to that 17-year-old? I forgive you. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So stay in contact with that potency, that energy of the anger, and just say what it's like. Describe it, where you feel it in the body, what that energy feels like, where it's moving. Just try and describe it to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. It's still in my stomach, but it's moved into my chest and into my front of my shoulders, and it's like traveling down my arms. Good, and say how it feels feels powerful. It feels strong. It feels right. Good. Another breath. And just let yourself sink into that a little bit more. Let yourself just allow the anger, the energy of that anger, to occupy a little bit more space in the body. And in your own way, just welcoming it in. Because my guess is that it's been locked up for a very, very long time. Mm. So say what it's like to feel your anger in the rest of your body, in your arms, in your legs, in your chest. It feels new. It feels powerful. I feel like I'm welcoming it in. Good. So last piece, just for a moment. Take one more breath. And just make a statement to your anger. Stay in contact with it and just make a statement to it. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let it respond. Oh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, thanks for the invitation, finally. Thanks for letting me out of the cage. Yeah, good. So just before you come back in and open your eyes, just make a statement about your experience in this little exercise, in this little process. I feel grounded and I feel in touch with every part of my body that needs to feel the anger for it to channel in a healthy way. Um, 
I feel like a warrior. I feel like a, a powerful man. It's about damn time. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Good. So at your own pace. And, and by the way, if I, you know, sometimes I wish people could, could see this process, you know, because what they would see is a very radical shift in your body and in your body language, just in the way that you're sitting and holding yourself, the way that you are occupying space. There isn't this sense of, I don't deserve to be here or I have to be careful about how much space I take up or how big I am. It's like, no, this is who I am. I'm here. I'm going to claim my space. Great. You can see it in your shoulders, your jaw, and it looks easy. It's not something that you're fabricating. It's not a show that you're putting on. Mm -hmm. It's just an allowing in of the part that you had to sequester away in order to survive and get love and belong. Okay, so when you're ready, just breathe that in and then come back in. And we're just going to talk about this for a minute. Good. And just see if you can stay with some of that connection, stay in contact with that energy, that potency Mm -hmm. in your, especially in your extremities. All right, because for a lot of guys who have a tendency, who have had a tendency to have to disconnect from their anger, pretty much everybody does the same thing, which is they try and stuff it down somewhere in their core Mm -hmm. and they lock it up and they stop being able to feel it in their arms and their hands and their legs and their feet. Maybe once in a while it'll come up into their chest and into their head and sort of take over the show, and that's where the passive aggressiveness comes from, is that it sort of leaks out into our thoughts and into our consciousness. But what we need to learn is allowing it out into our body. Not because we want to be violent or aggressive, but that we repair the relationship with our own energy of anger, right? with our own potency. Because in some ways, that's the repair with dad's anger. His anger was not contained. It was not healthy. It was not directed in a loving and sacred way. And it was, as we've talked about, anger for a lot of men is an access point to potency. Not power specifically, but to a sense of potency. I mean something. I am meaningful right? There's an aliveness that is on your face right now that wasn't there this morning. Can you feel that? I can. Yeah. So just say, just say a little bit about what your experience was in the exercise and any questions that you have. And we'll just, we'll go from there. Yeah. It felt like um, a channeling of what was deep inside of me. And it came to the surface almost like I could uh, touch my skin and feel the the heat coming off of me uh, in my upper chest and in my arms. If I were mm-hmm. to have um, touched my skin, that's what I that's what I believe I would have felt. And I was I was surprised that it didn't sound like rage at all. It didn't mirror the explosiveness that that I saw growing up. That was my only version of anger that I saw. So that really surprised me that it it didn't take a matching of that rage or explosiveness in order to feel powerful. That's it. So that's beautiful description and articulation of sacred anger. 
right? We've talked a little bit, maybe, you know, for the people that have listened to the show, you may have heard me talk about a sense of holy anger or sacred anger. And anger is the energy of protection and protection Mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing. It's all about how we use it, right? You can use a hammer to build a home or you can use a hammer to bludgeon somebody to death. It's all about how you use it. And anger is no different. Many men have simply not been taught how to have a healthy, conducive relationship to their anger. And sometimes what's interesting is that in men's work, in certain areas or circles, the notion is that in order to be in healthy relationship to your anger, you got to go yell and scream and another dude's face and like, you know, really let the, the monster out. And that can be healthy, you know, and I would encourage you to maybe explore that at some point, but we have to light the kindling first in order to build the fire. And your fire just got put so deep inside of you and was labeled, do not touch, (laughs) toxic, you know, toxic material, that we have to begin to just repair the relationship to the anger and to start to allow it to to occupy a little bit more space. So what I'm saying makes sense? Yeah, it does. And, And the question that I have about that kindling turning into a fire, you know, my practice with jujitsu has been extremely helpful in understanding going to the edge of anger in a fight. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of practice that comes into what I've come to understand is presence that it takes to be in that moment and not, not go over that edge because of the container, because of the boundaries, because of the, because of the structure and discipline that we have within our school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a container which I've recognized in myself of no longer being even passive in jujitsu. It showed up there for me. And that's not a, that's not a part of my practice anymore. So it's almost as if like that, that fire that you're speaking to is present there, but it doesn't become like a raging house fire that, that engulfs everything in its path or, or like that wildfire that it's not generative, you know, like a wildfire that burns always brings a more beautiful forest, right? But it's not the 50,000, 200,000 acre fire that that's devastating. Mm-hmm. So what's the question behind what you're saying? Uh, the question is that what is necessary of taking that kindling to a group of men that are shouting and uh, punching pillows and things like that? What's necessary about that action? I think that prag or that that experience, yeah, that experience is an allowing of yourself to let the anger out in an, in a way that you normally wouldn't. I see, right, and that can be very healthy, can be very conducive for your anger to have a space. Because what what we really want to do as men, and, and not a lot of people talk about this, is that most men are right. Anger is a spectrum, and it goes from the, the, the spectrum of like almost nothing, like not letting ourselves feel it, stuffing it down, it coming out in passive aggressiveness, and it being this sort of feeble version of itself, which mm-hmm. often manifests as self-attack, shame, and judgment. So a lot of the commentary that has come up within yourself even as an example, and, and again, I mean this with all respect yeah. and, and love, but a lot of that commentary of, oh, I should have, I regret not having done this sooner, 
that commentary is the energy of the anger misplaced. It's got nowhere else to go. It's not being used for boundaries. It's not being used for direction or purpose or vitality or even within the realm of uh, like sexual ravaging of your partner mm-hmm. when there's this beautiful excitement, you know, consensually, obviously not in an unhealthy way. But it's not being used in any of those other places. And so it's got nowhere else to go other than self-direction. So the energy of that anger that is perceived as weak and feeble is actually potent in the sense that it's very good at attacking you. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. It's very good at shaming you, pointing out what you regret, holding you down, and becoming your inner critic. Does that make sense? Does that feel true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on the other side of the anger spectrum, right? Because that's implosive anger, what we're talking about. You you took the grenade, right? You threw yourself on the grenade and said, I'm not going to allow myself to really express anger outwardly. So I'm gonna try and contain it inwards, with means which means that we jump on the grenade and then it blasts us constantly. And on the other end of the spectrum is this explosive external, right? The fire is out at other people, at the world, yelling and shouting at people in Starbucks and sort of wild and out of control. And it's the wildfire that just burns shit down, destroys relationships, right? And and I've worked with men on this show that have expressed anger in that way. And so it's not about finding a balance between those two. It's actually about converting the anger into something more generative more sacred, more holy. It's not about finding this like, oh, I got to find balance for my anger. No, it's about a direction and a repurposing or an alchemizing of that anger into something not necessarily different, but something that creates and builds and protects and honors all of those things. So sometimes how we learn to alchemize is by going through the experience of the yelling and the pillow punching and the like showing aggression in a very real way to another man that can be helpful for some men to jar loose their potency and really experience what it's like in a full-bodied, full-blooded kind of way so that you know what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. But I think you kind of know what you're capable of because you've been doing jujitsu for a long time you know that there's a decent savage in you that could probably break somebody's arm or leg you're very familiar with that and so i don't think that the again maybe at some point bringing that energy in to striking might be fun you know i do mixed martial arts and when i work with my coach sometimes i'll bring that energy in to a hook or a cross or a kick and there's something very satisfying and satiating about like I'm going to try and chop you the fuck in half with my leg kick, you know, and just see what happens. Of course, there's a pad there, so it's not, it's not going to happen. But to see what am I actually capable of is very beneficial. But for you, and this is where I'm going to come, come back, for, for people who have had implosive anger, oftentimes the most beneficial thing that we need to do and where we need to start and what we need to practice is letting that fire occupy more space in our physical body, mm-hmm. in our extremities, in our hands, in our arms, our legs, our feet, because that is us building tolerance. 
right? You haven't had a lot of tolerance for your anger because you didn't have a lot of tolerance for dad because he didn't have a lot of tolerance for you. And so you've modeled in a way what you should do with your anger, how you should treat it based on dad. So that makes sense. Yeah, that does, that does resonate. Okay. A couple more questions. What else did you want to get out of this conversation around anger? I think that that was a, that was a big clarifying distinction between um, how my shame, regret, and inner critic show up. Oftentimes my victim is a part of that too, my victim mindset. That's a part that I've spent some time with over the past seven or eight months um, since deciding to leave that job is I recognize the victim showing up there. Um, so acknowledging that those, those parts are connected, I think is, um, is really helpful to get out of the conversation today. I'm going to give you two things and then we're going to wrap up the conversation. And as I said, before we started, um, feel free to reach out if you want to do any form of part two. There's two main things. Number one, and if you have a pen and paper, you'll probably want to just grab some of this down, but you can always go back and listen to the recording as well. Uh, So the first one is about that inner critic. This is a very common one for a lot of people is when we don't express our anger, it becomes self-directed. So I'm just going to get you to write that, that, that part down. When I don't express my anger in a healthy way, it becomes self-directed. So I want you to explore your inner critic by first and foremost understanding what it's saying and who it sounds like. What is my inner critic saying and who does it sound like? My gut says that your inner critic is a version of your father that occupies a lot of space and territory in your head. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So the second part of that is what would it sound like for me to set boundaries and stand up to my inner critic? Now, again, that's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's not saying my inner critic's a piece of garbage and I don't want to listen to it and I hate it and I'm going to try and kill it. (laughs) That's not it. That's going to make it a hell of a lot worse because you're just going to go to war with this part of you. Mm -hmm. It's actually about doing the thing that you wanted to do with dad. It's setting a boundary with it, being able to say, okay, that's enough. That's enough. No more shaming. No more regret. That's enough. Is there truth in what it's saying? And can I take anything from it or do I just need to set a boundary? So that's what I want you to take. Is there a truth in what my inner critic is saying or do I simply need to set a boundary? Because sometimes our inner critic is trying to help us. It's trying to protect us. It's trying to point us in the right direction. It's trying to remind us of how we want to operate. And other times it's, it's just a repetition of an abusive pattern or an unhelpful pattern or maladaptive pattern. And so just beginning to discern, like, is that even helpful? No, it's not helpful. All right, that's enough. That's good. And use that verbiage, right? That's enough. So that's part one. Part two is I want you to practice daily letting that potency occupy space in your body when you're driving, when you're walking through a grocery store, when you're interacting with your partner, when you are doing jujitsu, right? To feel some of that energy in the body of your own aliveness and your own capacity to take up space, okay? How does that sound? That sounds very doable. 
Yeah. So even if you just set an alarm once or twice a day and it says, feel the energy, take up space, or feel my potency, take up space, and then breathe and let yourself feel it. And see if you can transmit some of that. And when I say transmit, I mean you let other people in on the game that you are connected to your own potency. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. And the, the wonderful thing, and I'm just going to say this and we'll probably end with this. One of the most attractive things to the feminine is a man who is connected to this part and know that he has a healthy relationship to it. It's one of the most attractive things. Women can feel it because a man who is disconnected from his anger is dangerous and a man who's consumed and overrun by his anger is dangerous. So a man who has a healthy relationship to his anger Mm -hmm. and can feel that potency and that aliveness within himself is a man who is connected to his own fire. And that is beautifully attractive. Women are like, oh, they get... It just something happens, right? Whenever I'm in that connection in my own body and, you know, I'll come upstairs after work and I'm all, I'm like fired up and I can feel that aliveness coursing through my body. And I walk into the kitchen or the living room and my wife's there and she looks at me and she's just like, whoa, she notices it every time, every time. Mm-hmm. So, all right, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for being willing to dive in. And for everyone that's out there, make sure that you man it forward. I think that this conversation around anger, especially Mm. implosive anger, and us as men that have repressed our anger and stuffed it away is a very important one. So thanks so much for joining me. And until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off. 